It's time for the 3304 Sports Podcast with your hosts, Dan Steinbeck and Cole Born Bergstrom. All right, welcome into the 3304 Sports Podcast. Uh, we're back. We're back after a week hiatus, um, giving us some time to move in. We are now moved in at the end of our first week of classes back here at Virginia Tech. Uh, I'm welcoming Colby Bergstrom. Colby, how are you? How's your week, uh, your first week of classes been? Um, it's been all right. I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, I mean, it's kind of been a lot of fun. There's been, um, I'm on soccer beat here at 3304. So I've been uh, getting out to the couple of the women's games that happened this past week and watched. That was a lot of fun. So yeah. yeah I heard they, heard they uh, put the beating on, uh, what was it, Elon last night? Yeah, it was Elon. Yeah. Yeah. So um, nice game. You're obviously there to cover it. Uh, did you write an article for that? Uh, no, actually, uh, Ishan has wrote the last two articles. Um, it's just uh, helping him out and uh, whatnot, just because, uh, you know, other behind the scenes stuff. However, um, I will say, if you do want to check it out, I was up in the booth. I wasn't broadcasting myself, but um, uh, Andy Losi and Brian Kearney were uh, doing the broadcast for that game. Um, and obviously, they had a lot of action during it, um, at the very least in the first half. So if you guys want to go give that a listen. Yeah, for sure. Uh, did that get uploaded to our YouTube channel? Uh, it should be uploaded to our YouTube channel. Yeah, it should be on 3304 Sports YouTube page. All right, yeah. So 3304 Sports YouTube channel. Uh, go check out the highlights and the full broadcast for that. Um, you know, it, it's great to be back. And, you know, we had a general 3304 meeting uh, on Tuesday. And it was just great to see everyone. It was actually great to see you because I think that were you, were you at any 3304 meetings before pandemic craziness started? No. So that, I mean, that was literally my first in-person meeting. Yeah. So that was our first time actually seeing each other face to face. So it was good to see you. Um, yeah. you know, good, good to see everyone there. Good to see, uh, all the guys and all, all the new faces, you know, the fact that this has grown so much since I've joined is, uh, pretty astonishing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely go check that out and go check out, uh, Sean's work on the 3304 sports website where he, uh, uploads the articles as well as our other beat writers. Colburn will be, uh, writing eventually, and he'll be throwing some stuff up there as well uh so definitely be on the lookout for all of that so it's it's just great to be back man and um yeah you know my, my first week of classes went pretty okay i'm exhausted i will say that but <laughs> other than that um pretty excited pretty excited for this weekend should just be a nice time to uh recalibrate and get ready for next week and some virginia tech football thank god it's finally coming it's finally here Ooh. um but you know you know let, let's get let's get into that a little bit let's get into the whole uh, being back here situation because man, being back on campus, you know, for the first time in two years, pretty much, um, there, there are some things that, you know, I, I forgot, uh, I, I was here, I was in Blacksburg, uh, last year, but I was pretty much just, uh, stuck in my apartment the whole time. None of my classes were in person. Um, rarely made the trip to campus for the event, the, uh, occasional lab, but, um, Man, I, the first day I was walking, and I noticed that a lot of other people had this observation. There are so many people here. <laughs> yeah, it is insane how many students are here now. And I guess I just didn't realize it when I was a freshman. But you know, those like pre these previous two years where you know we're admitting and you know uh, higher and higher uh, numbers of freshmen, it's really eye opening just walking uh, to class and seeing just the swaths of people. Now, usually like the first week is crazy, but seeing that many people, uh, it, it was just surprising to me. It was really, it was really shocking. 
Um, I know that that has kind of uh, disrupt the bus schedules. Um, I have been starting to bus a little bit more often. I'm probably, it'll probably be my main method of transportation from my apartment to campus. Uh, I did get a parking pass, but yeah, parking is a nightmare. Um, I don't want to have to park on Duck Pond when my classes are on the other side of uh, campus from there. All like pretty, pretty much all my classes are in Torch. So um, yeah, it, it doesn't help to, that, that's what I had to do on Monday. I tried to park in Squire's lot uh, for commuters, but if you're not there at six in the morning, it's just, you're not going to get a spot basically. So uh, I had to park on the other side. Traffic is always terrible. These roundabouts I, I've noticed around this area are insane. There's so many roundabouts and for, you know, for, from an engineer's perspective, I will say this roundabouts are the most, uh, I, I should say efficient way of, you know, having traffic flow as compared to stoplights. But if, if you want to have that hypothesis proven, you don't go to Virginia Tech because my God, people don't know how to drive. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So yeah, seeing a lot of people there, you know, the busing situation, the parking situation, uh, it's all just crazy here. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. What, what, what has your experience been like uh, being back? Has it been surreal at all? I mean, this is really the first instance where I'm pretty much quote unquote out of you know, pandemic living, you know, seeing all these people, obviously the masks in class uh, and inside buildings are, they're still apparent, that's still a thing. Um, but just being amongst this much people is something I haven't done in a while. So, you know, it, it kind of took me for a pause real quick, um, but, but still, it's good to be back. What about you? Yeah, no, I really like it. I think being able to have half my classes in person, it's, I think it just adds a little bit to my day and it gets me a little bit more energized. Um, Obviously, the first week is a little bit more of a slug since there's not much uh, happening. But then even beyond that, um, uh, classes were coming up a little bit later um, just uh, because of uh, whatever other professors had to do. Like, I remember I had classes come up on Canvas on the day. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot of people. However, why I'm partly not surprised is because there's a lot of people last year in all classes, but I think even particularly freshmen last year that didn't come to campus at all. Because, uh, you know, why would you come to campus and pay housing fee and whatnot when you're not going to be going to classes? And um, really the only, the only benefit is you're going to be able to meet people and you would have good food, and which obviously for me, that was good. And I was able to do that type of stuff. And I was able to get the interactions I needed to, um, particularly in my community. But, you know, for other people, it wasn't exactly what they wanted, particularly if some live in like a completely different country. So I think there's a little bit of that added factor. I think there is, as you said, always the added factor of it seems like we admit more and more freshmen each year. And then, I mean, even on top of that, we have the uh, new hall that was built, um, like the media building or whatever, uh, whatever it is with the LLC that resides in it. And I think some athletes as well. So it, it's a lot. Um, and I don't think it's too surprising seeing so many people. Uh, really the thing that surprised me, if anything, which is slightly annoying, but I know it always happens on campuses is we're just Virginia Polytechnic uh, Institute and Construction University, because there is always construction going <laughs> on on campus. Man, no, I, you're right. You're right. I, I am. I, I'm. I come from Michigan, and the the joke there is that it's always under construction. But yeah, Virginia Tech is 
certainly no different. So I, I'm used to it, but no, yeah, it's crazy how much is going on right now. Um, yeah. And like dining hall lines are insane. I, I was talking about, I was thinking about this the other day, like with all this construction going on, you'd think that a dining hall is in their plans, right? Cause I mean, you're seeing the long lines, you're seeing those new people uh, that are coming in. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you're seeing, and you're seeing the, the short staff at the, uh, at dining halls anyways, you're seeing that short staff. Not a lot of people are working food service right now. Um, yep. So, so you, you got to think that with expanded living space and I think there's a new parking garage coming up soon, um, new classroom buildings type stuff. Uh, I, I would expect the dining hall is definitely in the future plans here. Yeah, they, they certainly should be. I remember um, actually when the new building was getting mocked up that they're planning on having one either inside of that building or it was nearby. So I know that there was one in the plans, um, but I don't remember the exact details and I don't even know if it's like up yet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, those are just some notes uh, that I, you know, saw as I was just walking through observing uh, my days on campus. Um, how's your schedule looking like? Like how many classes do you have each day? Cause I, I, I have a pretty um, packed schedule Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but Tuesday I'm just in, uh, in Tuesday and Thursday, I'm in for one class. Um, so aside from that, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty solid and I'm home at a reasonable time. Uh, yeah. I mean, the most classes I have on a day, uh, uh, like on a day currently is three, I'm pretty sure. Um, and I think that's going to be Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday for myself. And then it just kind of like, so it starts hot and then it kind of finishes cold. So mm -hmm. Thursday I have two and then my, uh, today I only have one. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that must be nice. That must, that must yeah. be nice. And actually, Luckily enough, in which we're going to be able to talk even more about this, um, not only now, but, you know, on pods next week, uh, my Friday professor said that, you know, it's like, uh, it's your first football game back. And I know people aren't really going to be showing up for class anyways in a lot of classes. So I'm just going to, you know, chalk that class off. And I love you guys it. Can, yeah. God, I love so it. We'll now have the whole day to do um celebration and get excited <laughs> for vtunc and vittles um no dude that's great i'm man I, I wish that uh my professors would just come out like that and say mm. that now but you know one can dream hopefully we just can oh hopefully i should gather up all uh that whole engineering department and basically say hey if we write them enough emails and complain enough they will say that we can not have class on friday <laughs> um no man that's good that's great for you man uh you know what, let, let's get into Virginia Tech football now anyways. Um, and, and just one more note, and this kind of combines our two first two topics here, uh, both with returning and, you know, Virginia Tech football. Um, and I'm glad that you were talking about Sean Lamba and, you know, uh, the broadcast crew. The fact that we're all back and the fact that we're going to be able yeah. to do so much more now, now that we're in person, rather than just, you know, watch a sport on TV and call it. Uh, the fact that we're going to have our guys going to games, we're going to have our beat writers going to games, uh, being more in those rooms with those coaches, with those players uh getting inside stories stuff like that uh it's gonna be really great and you know uh you and i and uh white krieger he's our podcast coordinator here at uh 3304 sports um you know we, we've been talking about how we want to grow this podcast and uh well i, I i've been talking about how i wanted to add more add more episodes weekly uh with football season coming up you know having a monday show and a friday show kind of locked into the week um, where we have those shows, you know, reacting to the weekend of, you know, Virginia Tech games uh, and overall, you know, college football, NFL, and then having the Friday show where we look ahead to the games of the weekend. That's what I want to do. I want to expand it that way. And then, you know, we can have even a third show 
uh, in the middle of the week that comes out where, you know, Colby and I were just having kind of a normal episode like this, or we bring on a beat writer from 3304, uh, or we, you know, bring on um, some writer from another school to help preview the upcoming opponent for Virginia Tech football, which is something that we want to do next week, uh, bring on some kids from UNC and uh, see what, you know, kind of get like a know thy enemy types thing. But basically the thing I want to do most is I want to get, I want want to make sure that our guys are getting their work put out there. You know, I want to have our broadcast clips being played at the start of our episodes on Mondays, you know, where we're trying to remember what happened over the weekend. Like it's going to be a Friday uh, show. Well, it's going to be a Friday game. And then I'm not, I'm actually going to be out of town for Labor Day weekend. So I won't be back until Tuesday. So we can record on Tuesday, but when that pod episode drops on Tuesday, you know, we open it up and you guys are listening to our broadcast highlights uh, from our guys. And, you know, you know, if tech wins, we're going to call it, we're going to put a tech touchdown in there. If UNC wins, we're going to put a UNC touchdown call in there. Um, And that kind of just leads us into what the flavor of that episode is going to be. So I I really, I'm really excited uh, this semester for how we're going to grow this podcast and how we can uh, just continue to show off the work that these guys are doing. Cause man, you call your own with your beat writing and all the other stuff that our guys do. Um, it's so impressive. And, you know, I, I'm just happy to be a part of it. And I just want to show it, show it off as much as I can. Um, so let, let, let's get into some tech football. There was a little bit of news and then we'll get into the real meat of today's episode, including uh, Colby Orton, who is, uh, has some very happy news for himself today. Um, you know, I, I don't want to, lean too much on Virginia Tech football because I mean we're gonna have the whole season to do it but just uh the recruiting director just up and left to go to Texas Tech um and, and I don't know it's just another staff turnover it's another major staff turnover position he didn't have he was in the recruiting department for I believe three years but I don't think he had the head recruiting position for that long uh but all in all it, it's just another thing it, is it something to overreact to in your opinion because Virginia Tech football's recruiting under Fuente has been a question in the fan base uh, for, for a while now. I mean, th- their recruiting rankings for the next class is looking pretty solid. Uh, but up until now, it hasn't been that great. And it, it can be pointed to as a factor for their slipping success uh, in recent years, um, you know, in, in conference as well as out of conference, you know, bowl games and whatnot, just overall seasons. But is this something to worry about? Do you think that this could lean to some players moving on? What are your opinions on this? Um, I mean, I don't know if it's something to worry about rather than it being something to keep an eye on, because I think what we do with recruiting is going to be crucial to uh, with this position is going to be crucial to our future um, as a program, because if we just kind of get uh, if we don't get someone that's you know going to be exciting or maybe hasn't done well somewhere else or you know etc other other reasons it's not going to be anything to get excited about however if we get a creative person like like a creative guy to get in there if we get someone who's proven and is really good at recruiting um as you said like recruiting has been an issue uh, particularly uh, under this recent tenure and i think if we can get the right guy this could be a turnaround for the program as a whole. And I, I, I think that in itself is kind of exciting. It's just, it's, it's a little bit nervous. And this is nothing against our recruiter at, at all. Um, I, I mean, I wish him at the best at Texas Tech. It's just, 
it's, it's it's stating the fact that we have a chance to possibly get better. No, I think you're absolutely right. Um, and look, I'm not, I, I will admit, I'm not the biggest recruiting guy. Like I don't follow recruiting that strongly. I basically am that guy that just looks at the overall end number and it's like, okay, why are we, you know, not a top 25 recruiting power right now? Um, and so, so I'm not too worried about, you know, attacking a certain location, attacking uh, a certain high school, really developing a pipeline anywhere. I'm not too into that. It's just get the guys that you think will be successful enough and, you know, get, get the, I would say get the guys that are more towards the blue chip side. I think that that's an obvious thing to say. Um, I think we're increasingly getting in a harder position here because Virginia Tech is just not one of the top five schools anymore. And we already see that, you know, like 75% of the four and five stars go to a select five schools. So you're going to have to look and be better at evaluating players. And obviously it comes into player development and whatnot. Um, so, so I'm not that guy, but I do know that this previous recruiting director in Bo Davidson, uh, he want, wanted to develop a pipeline in Texas. You know, it was that whole Texas to VT thing and it just didn't work out that well. Uh, it didn't work out really at all because I'm pretty sure all pretty much all Texas recruits have now left the program. Um, I'm not the guy that I, I'm not from Virginia. I don't have this uh, need to get athletes from Virginia into this program. I know I don't need the program to necessarily dominate recruiting in their state uh, because I think that all, all that ends up mattering is that you beat UVA at the end of the season in the new Smithfield uh, Commonwealth Clash, which I think is ridiculous, by the way. But that's a story for that's a that's a story for a whole other thing. But I I I just need to see the product on the field. Um, but now I, I also know that there are people that are in the tech fan base that believe in this state, believe in the high school athletes. They're more uh, in intertwined into the culture here, and they know that you know athletes from areas like uh, the seven five seven. They know that those athletes can play football, and they know that they're getting targeted by other schools, notably like Penn State and whatnot. So again, it's not, I'm not too big on, you know, attacking the Virginia area. Uh, if the next guy comes in and decides to do that and they get um, recruits from areas like the 757 in Virginia to come here and they play well, uh, that's all great. Um, but it, it's not like just a big need. I just need, I just need results. And I know that's kind of just a boring approach to say, but I, I think that that's just where I am on the recruiting aspect of being a football fan of a program because I, I don't need recruiting directors to do a certain thing. I just need them to do the right thing. And maybe there's not a consensus of what the right thing is, but I don't know. Uh, just seeing how this Texas to be T thing uh, just kind of didn't work out. You know, hopefully the next guy comes in, doesn't necessarily put a gimmick on the recruiting method, but just brings in the right guys. That's all, that's all I'm asking for. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I completely agree. It's all about getting the right guys and particularly the right pieces for um, uh, Jay Ham and Fuente. And I'm very excited. As I said, I'm excited for the potential of a new recruiter. Um, but it's, it's just going to be, it's going to be interesting. I don't, I don't think there's really any concern about focus though. I will say, Obviously, it would be great to be able to be the lead in your state, but uh, I think Penn State and some others are really good with that right now. So I think just as you said, getting the right guys, um, 
and getting even better guys and uh, being able to get back to that place of where we were of being a top 25 recruiting school. That would be nice. It's going to take a while for that probably, but it would be nice to get back to that. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, yeah, it, it might take a while and we'll see how it ends up going. Uh, so that's really all I want to talk about with tech football. I think that was the biggest news uh, of the week. And now we can finally get into, uh, I guess, the biggest news of the day for you personally. Can I just say this real quick? So uh, our listeners won't notice it, but I took a quick pause right there because I needed to go get a drink of water because my throat is killing me right now for some reason. But man, let me just tell you, I have switched to Brita Fiddle to Brita filters. It was the first, this is the first time ever I've ever used them. And I just made the decision on the fly when I was moving myself in here uh, in mid-August. And man, let me tell you, I, I don't think I'll ever go back to water, to water bottles again. I'm just saying that. So that is a full endorsement. I don't know if I'm allowed to make it on this podcast, but I just did. So we'll take it up with legal. If we, if, we'll take it up with legal if we need to. Uh, and that's all, that's all I have to say about that. So Brita filters get a thumbs up from Dan. All right. So all, all I'll say is I've used the Brita for, you know, ever since I've been in college. It's not that I don't drink water from a bottle. I just do that though when it's emergency. Otherwise I try to keep it filled. So. Oh no, I, I agree. I, I don't necessarily, like last year um, when I was living in a two bedroom, I always bought, uh, I, I would go to Food Lion and I would buy, they, they had like a two, a two 24 pack of plastic water bottles, like two for $3. It's like, that's cheap. That's inexpensive. And that's easy. And we can just stock up the fridge and we can drink them whenever we want to. Um, but this is fine too. You know, just filling up with some tap water, throwing it in the fridge. Cause I, like, I don't drink water so much for like, I'm going through the, the equivalent of 12 a day or anything like that. No, I just like to have a couple glasses here and there. Uh, if I get thirsty and, you know, just fill it back up and just throw it back in the fridge. Um, so no, I think, I think this is definitely a wise investment on my part. And I, I would encourage others to as well. Cause you know, I'll go to campus and I'm glad that they, the, uh, cause, cause the drinking fountains, drinking fountains are out of operation, but the water bottle refills are not. So I'm happy about that because I do bring my water bottle, uh, when I'm on campus, I, I don't do plastic or anything like that. When I'm on campus, I just bring my reusable dishwasher, safe one, and we're good to go. Um, all right, no more stalling. I know you pretty much need to talk about this and need to get all the glee out. So, um, you know what? I, I I can't really cut corners about this. Ronaldo's going back to Man United, where he started his career. Um, no, look. I, okay. Yeah, how about this? I'll let you go first, because then I have a question that I, because again, soccer me isn't quite there yet. Doesn't really know the history of the sport. Um, so I'll just let you go, and then when you're ready, I will ask you the, my question. To start. Mm. Viva Ronaldo! Viva Ronaldo! Dude, you can't do that while I'm drinking water. I almost choked. Viva Ronaldo! <laughs> we have to do the chant. He's back. He's back. He's back. Oh, I almost just so did a spit take, and we're not even doing video. <laughs> Let's go. Oh, man. Imagine I did that in person. You'd, you'd have to run away. <laughs> man, I don't, I don't know. know. But it's great to be able to sing that. He's finally back. He's probably not going to be down the wing. He's probably going to be down center now. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was a journey of emotions over the past 24 hours because the rumors originally started, or actually even before 24 hours, uh, that Ronaldo was looking at Manchester City to go to. Uh, City, uh, 
haven't been able to sign Harry Kane, haven't really gone after any other striker. And it's a team that, unless they play in a false nine formation, are going to have to rely upon Gabriel Jesus at striker, someone who they haven't put full faith in yet. So it, it was a very scary prospect because he, other than his contract, Ronaldo's fairly cheap, um, just I think because of age. And I think uh, Juve was trying to make some moves. So it was scary. But then over the past 24 hours alone, We've got reports that Sir Alex Ferguson talks to Ronaldo, Rio Ferdinand talks to Ronaldo. The players were really annoyed with the um, possibility that Ronaldo was going to possibly go back to Manchester City. There's even reports saying that Skoljar made sure that the board got this deal across the line because if he went to City or like if he went to another club in the Prem whatsoever, it would be devastating for our academy because why would youth prospects want to come if we aren't going to go and re-sign a legend? Um, it would be devastating for the fan base, devastating for the players with lots of people wanting to leave and not come back, etc. cetera. Um, with all those formalities out of the way, Ronaldo's back. He's, he's back. A man who, though, granted, it's the Serie A, it is not quite what the Premier League is. He's a man who broke the record at, what, age 34 for the most goals in the Serie A season. And then he was close to that in another one of those seasons. I don't know if it was like he was 33 at that time or if it was last year when he was 35. I don't know. But he's put together a 37 and 36 goal season while he's been at Juventus for his first three years there. Um, or for his only three years there, actually. So he's still got it. Um, he's great. United has kind of needed a, like a striker for a while. And I like Cavani, um, but Ronaldo is, come on, it's, it's freaking Ronaldo. He's, Cavani's not going to start over him. And though granted as a fan, uh, and a lot of our fans are like, but we need a CDM, but we need a right back. We got our legend back. We got a man who really helped make this club. We got one of Fergie's favorite players back. You know, it's it's just such an incredible move. Um, I love it. Obviously, the values there um, from fan perspective, from actual monetary perspective, from play perspective. Ronaldo is going to be consistent. He's not one of those guys that in his career has had a point where he's like, oh, I haven't scored a goal in, you know, six games and I'm playing really poorly and I don't know how to make runs anymore. Ronaldo is very consistent and we're not going to really have any of those types of streaks where Tony for, uh, or Anthony Martial for us has been very inconsistent um, as of like the past year, which has been sad to see, but Ronaldo's not that guy. He's, he's going to dominate because that's what he does. So it's a very great prospect. It's a great player to be able to bring in, um, particularly if we weren't feeling comfortable at striker, but I, I feel like we're probably fine. We're willing to go with Cavani. I'm excited. I'm very excited. Um, I don't know if this really changes where I would put us in the league, because I think we're still missing a CDM. Um, but for this to be Ed Woodward's last transfer window with us to bring in Cristiano Ronaldo, Jaden Sancho and Rafael Varane, 
I didn't think I would really ever say this because he is someone that as a fan, I have been mad at for years and I've definitely been a part of the Woodward out Blazers out, you know, group of Manchester United fans, but Ed Woodward, I will definitely give you, obviously no one else can see it. Uh, I'll give him a salute. He absolutely deserves it. He's put in business this window and thanks to the, I'll say thanks to the Glazers as well for being able to make this possible. Um, so yeah. Well, your team's certainly not at the table. Hammers, baby, come on. Anyways, um, so here, here's my question for you. Uh, again, not big soccer guy, not history-wise anyways. Um, he only played there for what? The first, first go-around. Was it six seasons? Uh, that sounds right. Okay. I mean, I, I got you, but yeah. I guess that I just don't. I was looking at it earlier today. It said 2003 to 2009. I don't know if that's six or seven years. Um, but, I mean, here's my thing. As of right now, and again, maybe I just came too late into the game. I know Cristiano Ronaldo from Real Madrid. Um, I understand building up a legacy, becoming a young superstar, and being and that being the first place you did it at. When he left, and I've seen people say this on social media. So I just want to know if this is true. Mm-hmm. Is he Manchester United's best player ever? And when I say that, not like the greatest player to ever play there. Like I'm talking just, I, I guess I can call it the franchises. Is he the franchise's best player ever? Well, there's, there's, there's two ways you can look at it. Is he the club's best ever player? No, he wasn't at the club long enough. He was, he was, he was at the club for, you know, six years. Granted, he was able to play about 200 games and he the, uh, like seeing here specifically, uh, like looking it up, he played 196 games and 84 goals. That's impressive. I think he won one, if not two champions leagues with us. And obviously we were on like that 13 year winning the premier league streak. Uh, and he was there, I think for all of those seasons or like, you know, all the seasons that like he could have been there. Um, but if you're willing to ask the question, if he's the best player we've ever produced or the best player that's ever been at the club. Yes, absolutely. 100% without a question. He's one of the best players, if not the best player to ever play the sport of football. Um, and yeah, I mean, Though he was at, I mean, he was only at Sporting Lisbon for one year. So he basically developed with us, became a superstar with us, and then became the superstar alongside, you know, like Messi at Real Madrid. Um, not Messi at Real Madrid, but you, you get what I mean. No, no, I get so, it. yeah, I mean, without, without a doubt, he's the best player we have ever produced. All right. I think I'm, I, I think I am leaning more on the first half of like my question there. Um, because just seeing people like say he retired tomorrow, obviously it would crush mm-hmm. your heart, but just say hypothetically, he didn't like make this transfer. He just retired. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like his legacy would be most remembered at Real Madrid. Is that a fair thing to say as of yes. right now? Okay. No, 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 no. Like when, when you look at Ronaldo, when, even if he was to retire and he played for Man U for four years, when he retires, he's going to be remembered as a Real Madrid legend. He's not going to be remembered like maybe it could be a hand in hand thing that mm-hmm. since Manchester United is such a big, big club, you put a hand in hand, but 
no, he's he's not gonna like he'll retire as a Manchester United club legend, but he's not gonna retire a club legend because he's been at the club the whole time. He's gonna retire a club legend not only for what he did while he was at the club, but also what he was able to do across world football. So no, he's he's not like our greatest, like he's Real Madrid's probably their greatest player of all time. Okay. And he's one of the world's best players of all time. Not necessarily ours. He was just our best product. Okay. Yeah, I was just wondering because, you know, I'm seeing everyone saying this is like a homecoming and I, and like, yeah, your first team is probably your, might be your home, but just where you built your legacy up, I think uh, could be a close oh, well, home. Yeah, no, if, if you're meaning like, meaning like that as well, I mean, technically speaking, yeah, it is a homecoming because it, it's just almost like. Um, My comparison was LeBron James going back to Cleveland. I know yeah. that might be a little small scale because like LeBron no, yes. is really only a no, U.S. athlete, but yeah. I, that, that, that was the thing I was thinking of earlier today. No, no, no you're, you're absolutely right. This is like, I mean, literally we had it happen five years ago. This is Pogba returning to Man United. Um, uh, Pogba returned to Man United. We, we spent what was at the time the world record fee to get him back. And that was kind of like what was considered a homecoming there or welcome back because it was Man U to Juve, then back to Man U. Um, so, I mean, yeah, no, this is certainly still a homecoming. I mean, that's, we're all going to take it like that. This is, I don't think we ever really hated him for leaving. It's just, he decided that he wanted to go and be incredible somewhere else and it hurts, but Hey, he's back now. And I saw, um, now this, this is actually an interesting bait. I don't want to do it this episode though. Uh, but I feel like this could be an interesting question to ask. Um, I'll ask it. We don't need to get into it. And then maybe we could pick it up at a later date. Because I, I just looked up, because I wanted to see if anyone else was thinking about this comparison to LeBron. Uh, I just looked up LeBron James, Cristiano Ronaldo, and it was a post that was saying, you know, after their age 35 season, both LeBron and Cristiano have won three titles. And to me, not to say that Cristiano Ronaldo is not one of the greatest players of all time, but LeBron James won all three titles in the same league. Whereas Cristiano Ronaldo went to three different leagues and he joined or not necessarily joined with Manchester United, but Real Madrid and Juventus are historically the best uh, teams in La Liga and Serie A uh, respectively. Is that not um, accurate to say? Uh, It's not fully accurate. I mean, currently Juve has been the primarily at the top of um, Serie A. Real Madrid is accurate. Um, you, Juve is like a last decade thing, and they they were kind okay, of. But you went to them when they were at like peak success. Yes, yes, okay. like so, this decade, yes. So I'm not saying what he did isn't so much. Uh, I don't know what, the, what I want to say. Fraudulent or less difficult than LeBron, personally, and maybe this is American bias. Maybe I just don't appreciate the sport or whatever. But oh. it seems harder to win three championships in the same league. No, no, no. Uh, I'll, compared I'll, I'll, to I'll, three other ones in three separate leagues at teams that are where, I can see so where much better than others. I can see where you're going with it. I'm going to stop you there. And I'm going to tell you exactly why that's not the case. Ronaldo, overall, like in his career, if you're wanting to go for titles, is way clear. Because he won like the league every single year he was at Man U. And that's not including um, league cups like the uh, EFL championship but then also winning um, probably the FA Cup as well. Uh, obviously, he won the Champions League with Man U. He won the Champions League like five times at Real Madrid. 
and including four of those in a row, which is really the big thing. But then on top of that, you know, when he's still in his 30s, he's able to win um, Serie A with Juve. And not only that, as I mentioned, he broke the goal-scoring record. In his mid-30s, he broke the goal-scoring record. That's ludicrous. Like, you know, maybe a young Ronaldo you could have expected that of, but like of a Ronaldo that's technically speaking meant to be at the end of his career, though he's clearly not, it's incredible. So no, I, sure, I can get it. Maybe it's just because you're still coming into the sport, but I think legacy-wise, it's just, honestly, it's probably not even comparable. I honestly, look, I would agree. I think that, if we're talking just legacy-wise, obviously worldwide, Ronaldo's clear LeBron James by a lot. Um, I think my thing was more about degree of difficulty. But you're right; he's won multiple uh, Premier League uh, titles. Uh, I'm pretty. He won a couple of Liga titles with uh, Real, obviously. Um, so look, oh, I, I think it was just an interesting question to ask, comparing sure. three leagues going to. Uh, power off teams and look, LeBron James obviously the whole thing with like super teams when he's been in the league the whole time he's like he can't win without one that's been a criticism of some people um so you know what I'll, I'll, I'll take the L my, my stupid American brain it, it can't handle <laughs> it, can't, it can't handle soccer yet I'll take the hey, L here, I'll, let's, um let's look at it from a different perspective how many um league MVPs has LeBron James got uh well he should have more let's be let's let's start off with that it's a media thing the NBA MVP is terrible um, because it's all media and because look, sure. clearly LeBron James has been the best player for years now, since he's pretty much since he's been in the league at this point, I think Giannis is starting to overtake him. Kevin Durant's up there as well, but LeBron James should have more MVPs than he has. And I think he only has two. Even if he's earned more, if it's, if it's more than two, then definitely say it. Um, I mean, if you even want to throw finals MVPs in there, you can, but I mean, granted, he's probably been the finals MVP every single time. I'm sorry. He has four. LeBron has four. LeBron has four. Okay. So then this is definitely comparable. Ronaldo has five. Okay. Ballon d'Ors. And, and the Ballon d'Or, oh, Ballon d'Or. you know, so, so the NBA is just, you know, the U.S. The Ballon d'Or is. With that, though. I will say the NBA football, is the best basketball league, league in the world and the best world talent plays there. Sure. However, the Ballon d'Or covers the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth best leagues in the world, etc. It goes on. So, And on top of that, the Ballon d'Or goes across uh, regular season play, um, European season play, and international season play as well. Whereas the NBA, it is just a regular season award. You know, no, you're right. You're right. Um, anyway, it was just all I had. So, no, I, I, I definitely see what you're – I definitely see the points you're raising. Um, and I will concede. But I, I think that that was – I think that was an interesting thing that I brought up there, huh? What, what, what do you think? I thought, I thought it was okay. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'll, I mean, I'll say it's interesting. They're still two, like, probably the best players. Put me on before. first take with Stephen A. Smith right now. <laughs> Not at this point, put you on undisputed with Skip and Shannon. You can just argue the moon for LeBron. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> go, go up against Skip Bayless. Yeah, that's something I want to do. Man, we, you up man, at two ESPN. o'clock. LeBron, LeBron, you up at two in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Lord. I'll, oh, I'll love you, though. I'll love 
you know, all that ESPN stuff is, is, is kind of crazy, but you know, we don't, we don't need to get into that. Um, I, I, I kind of stopped watching it anyways. So, um, Steve, Stephen A. Smith is just chasing a bag and, you know, you got to respect it. <laughs> he, he is a walking meme though. I will say that. He's um, a meme. all right. So it was great to see uh, Stephen A. Smith burner back on Twitter. Great to see that his account is Love back running. Love Stephen A. Smith burner. All right, let's let's get into what I really wanted today's episode to be about. And then we had like this other little tidbits of news thrown in. Let's get into some NFL preview. We did our last episode was a college football preview, uh, really focused on Virginia Tech. Um, we didn't actually really talk about college football a lot in general. Um, okay, here we go. College football playoff, Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Clemson. I think I'll be wrong on <laughs> maybe two of those, it. but here, here are my backup two. Uh, Georgia and screw it. Let's throw Oregon in there. All right, there. I just gave you the playoff. <laughs> Have fun, everybody. Um, wow. Oh, I mean, you know, that's really bold. Having having Oregon in there. Phew. Yeah, I know. Pac-12 team. Yeah, how unrealistic is that? I'll be lucky if there's any. It, it, no, actually, no. Pac-12 teams by week seven. It's bolder having a Big Twelve. It's bolder having a Big Twelve team in there. Seeing how much ESPN loves to hate on the Big Twelve. Okay, you know what? That's I, I love that you brought that up. You know what? We're gonna make that our like main our. Uh, miscellaneous episode next week let's let's do that let's do that monday let's do the whole college football thing monday where we can talk about expansion we can talk about the alliance and we can talk about the mess that is espn versus college football uh seeing kirk herbstreet you know parading around like oh i don't like how this is going versus this is exactly what espn wants or just i guess doesn't want um you know the west virginia president basically holding everybody hostage i love it i love everything that's happening in college football right now um maybe there's some cause for concern but other than that, uh, I really want to dive into that. So let's do that Monday. Um, yeah. And we, we'll stick with the NFL this time around. All right. Which of the two conferences do you want to start with? Because we're just going to go through divisions, give you guys basically a basic rundown. Um, not really going to get into records or anything, you know, new 17 game season. Um, just, just give you like a, just the skeleton of what the playoffs might end up looking like. Because honestly, I'm not seeing too much turnover right now uh, in terms of who's going to be a better team there's really only one division where i can see some massive turnover um but other than that uh yes i i can't say i'm excited about a certain conference i would say i'm a little more excited for the afc just because i like because last year i mean you look at the teams every team had 11 or more wins versus uh the nfc where you were looking at the bears sneaking with an eight and eight record um so, yeah. so what side what side of the what conference do you want to start with here um I think kind of as you were saying there, I think the AFC is able to do better comparatively to the two. So I think we saved the best for last and we'll start like with it. the NFC. I dig it. I dig it. I dig it. All right. Do you want to just go North, South, East, West then? Uh, North, South, East, West. Yeah. We can start off with uh, your lions and whatnot. Yeah. Did never call them my lions again, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Hey, you got pause. Your lions. I'm from there. I'm and, from there. And I'll admit and this. And your cowboys and your cowboys. Sure. And, but I will admit this. The lions, uh, if we're going to start with the NFC North, I will admit I am starting – like, I, I don't say I hate the Lions, but I, I, I will admit the, their fan base can get kind of annoying sometimes, um, just the blind <laughs> support for this team. But I will say I'm finally liking the direction they're going in. You know, Matt Stafford days are done. They're going with Jared Goff. Um, this team's not going to be good. This is probably going to be one of the top two worst teams in football. Uh, they're always up at the top of mock charts. There is the lingering suspicion that Jared Goff could be just good enough to win them a couple of games, which is not what they want because they need 
a top quarterback in next year's draft because they're really starting to build this roster and, you know, getting that rookie in uh, to be the next guy uh, is really what that franchise needs right now. I'm not expecting them to do anything though. I, I kind of want them because look, I'm not going to wish, uh, you know, despair on them. I'm not going to wish for them to be in an, in eternal hell. Uh, I'm going to, I, I kind of want them to succeed. You know, I would like to see a parade down Woodward uh, eventually uh, in my lifetime. It would be nice to see for the Lions fans. Um, so I, I will say, I'm not thinking they're going to do anything. I think that they will end up in last place again. Uh, I think the Packers are up, are up there at the top and I think they're up there at the top uh, of the NFC. I think we could see another Bucks Packers championship game just because um I mean, you got the best quarterback in the division, Aaron Rodgers, and he's got he's got a little bit of a revitalized uh, purpose here. You know, the we, we've been talking about the franchise not seeming to back him, the front office not making decisions that he likes, but you know, working around his contract, uh, figure. I, I'm pretty sure they figured out the thing with Devontae Adams. You know, bringing in Randall Cobb via trade, uh, just those little things um, that they're doing to really throw support behind Aaron Rodgers. And then look, everyone wants to point to the Jordan Love pick as this bad thing that really started this train. But look, I'll defend that pick and Jordan Love has looked good in preseason. I don't think he suits up for the Packers at all on his rookie deal. I think he eventually gets traded. But I think that Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, that combination is lethal. Uh, I think I would have liked to see another wide receiver added, another offensive piece uh, that's not named Randall Cobb, who's 100. But I, I still think that, look, it's a weak division. Uh, their schedule uh, shouldn't be too complicated. I mean, I'm looking at the first place teams that they got to face. They, they got to face Washington, Seattle, uh, Green Bay. Uh, well, not their, their Green Bay. Uh, and New Orleans, like, that's not really a hard schedule for a first place team like the Packers. Um, yeah. So I, I'm not too overly concerned uh, with Green Bay. I think they do it. I think the interesting debate in this division is obviously in the middle. And these two teams have kind of just been flip-flopping for a while now. Um I, I don't think it's too bold of a take to say that it feels like the wheels are about to fall off for the Vikings. This could end up being uh, Mike Zimmer's last year. We know the limitations with Kirk Cousins, but look, it still is a good offense with him at quarterback. Just don't know where he's going to be because, you know, he's not getting the pokey pokey. Um, obviously, you got Dalvin Cook. Obviously, you've got amazing wide receivers, but that defense, which used to be the staple, it's just older now. Uh, the Bears, look. I think that Justin Fields is about to have a rookie of the year season. So that's why I'm going to put the bears at number two in the division. I don't know if they get into the playoffs again, even with another, you know, or hovering around 500 season. Um, but I think it stays the same. I think it goes green Bay, uh, Chicago, Minnesota lions down there at the bottom, basically of the NFL. Um, and you can flip off those middle two, but I think that this division is pretty set in stone. Uh, yeah, I think I agree. I think the most interesting part of this division is the middle. Um, I think the Lions are definitely the bottom. I just don't really like their off their defense or much of their offense. Um, I mean, I guess we'll get to see if Jared Goff can still be something in the NFL. Probably not, but it'll be interesting to see. Um, I mean, personally, I really like DeAndre Swift in their offensive line, so I hope that they lean into their run game this season. Um but beyond that, I mean, there's really not much to be excited about um, for Detroit Lions fans. So hopefully you guys will have something in, you know, the draft to look forward to. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, I'm exactly the same as you. Uh, I just like um, the, I think when you look at this division, um, and I think kind of when you're looking at divisions in general, if, if you're looking at it at this point, is who do you think the Lions could be? 
And if I'm looking between the Bears and the Vikings, I think they'd be more likely to beat the Vikings than the Bears, just because I don't think the Vikings defense is outstanding. It's mostly because of their secondary, because, uh, I mean, they even lost some pieces in their secondary this past year as well. So um, I, I think they do have like a pretty strong front seven. I think they've been making some strong acquisitions throughout the year or like throughout the past couple of years, but that's not going to matter when you don't have much of a secondary to go with them. Um, and then when you look at the offenses, I think the Bears offense is better if Justin Fields starts. Now, if Andy Dalton plays for more than half the season, I think the Vikings could hop the Bears. But if Justin Fields actually starts and Justin Fields actually gets a strong amount of minutes for the whole season, uh, I do agree. I think Justin Fields could be on a rookie of the year campaign. Um, like he'll, he'll probably be like around that. And I think that he could lead the Bears to second the division behind the Packers. You know, well, it's the last dance. Uh, Rodgers will be gone after this year. Adams will probably be gone after this year. They brought back Cobb. They're trying to just kind of set this up for one last big run. Um, so I think the Packers will get it next season. This division is going to be interesting because the Packers are going to be a mess. And it's going to be, can the Bears or the Vikings really rise up and take that division at least for a year? But right now, I do agree. It's, it's all the same. No, I think I'm right there with you. And I should have prefaced my Bears pick with the fact that Justin Fields plays considerable time because Andy Dalton is getting the starter uh, nod for week one, which is insanity. But It, it is. <laughs> but yeah, it, I, I, I should preface it that if Justin Fields starts the majority of the season, I would say, I, I think he has to play at least 75% of their games um, for the Bears to be over the Vikings in that, in that division. Uh, I don't know if I'm ready to give um Chicago that spot I think I know who I want to give it to instead uh, but we'll get there uh, how about we go to the NFC South this division could be just god awful to watch but it also could be very exciting um let's start off with who we think is going to win I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are just locked and loaded again and look they're do they're slapping in the face of everyone that likes to play franchise mode on Madden or 2k or whatever <laughs> because they aren't going for young players they're just going for proven vets who just know how to play football and really you can't blame for it. So, um, I mean, I mean, even still, you know, adding in Antoine Winfield Jr. Last year in the secondary was awesome. And I loved that pick for them. And then, uh, they, they, they took Gregory Rousseau, uh, this offseason, add to that defensive line. And he's looked, uh, I believe pretty, pretty good. Or did they get to Gregory Rousseau or was that someone else? And they took Joe Tryon. Uh, let me they, look. Took, they took Tryon. They took Tryon. Okay. That's my, that's my mistake. Rousseau's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rousseau's, somewhere Rousseau's else. with the Bills. That's right. You're right. You're right. Because I, I just thought, as I was saying, I was thinking that I was wrong. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that I, I don't think Tom Brady gets caught up to with all the time. I still think he has a top 10 quarterback season. And that's all they need because they have that good of a roster. Um, mm -hmm. Even still outside of that, uh, New Orleans is interesting. Uh, James Winston just got named the starter today, which is the right decision. Um, so Look, this Michael Thomas thing, I don't know what's going on with that. Uh, he, he still got some injury issues. They lost Emmanuel Sanders, who even still didn't have that great of a year last year. So seeing the receivers is going to be interesting. But it sets up a good fantasy fantasy year for Alvin Kamara, at least. So very happy about that. Um, so I don't know where the Saints are going to be. I, I can't say I'm ready for a complete drop-off. But I feel like... It's so weird to say now because this team on paper to me screams like nine and seven, but I can't say nine and seven anymore. So I feel like it's more of a nine and 
eight type team because I just can't see them getting 10 wins. But I don't know. Like, does 10 wins even get you to the playoffs that much anymore with this new extra game? I don't know. Um, And then looking at the Panthers and Falcons, look, these were two teams that were really, really bad last year. Um, Look, this Falcons thing, you know, I'm just going to say it. The Falcons are going to be last in this division because it, it, it doesn't work. At this point, this Matt Ryan thing, it's not working. Ever since Shanahan left, they just haven't been able to get back to that. Um, Julio's gone. Look, you can throw the ball to Calvin Ridley all you want. It doesn't change really anything for me. Uh, Kyle Pitts should have a great year. He could be up there with Fields in Rookie of the Year at the end of the – when it's all said and done. But I just don't I just don't buy this roster at all. Um, I know that they play some close games, but in the end, they just haven't been able to come out on top, and I can't see them doing it. Uh, so I'll give Carolina the nod for third in the division. Um, I, you know what? I, I will say I'm on the Sam Darnold train a little bit. Um, personally, obviously I would have liked to see them take Justin Fields so that the Cowboys could have ended up with, uh, JC Horn or Patrick Stan. But other than that, um, Panthers don't really have too much upside. I could see them clawing at 500, but I, I feel like a seven and 10 season fits about right for them. Um, but no, I am excited to see Sam Darnold. They just locked up Robbie Anderson for a little longer. Uh, a full season healthy for Christian McCaffrey should be a nightmare for opposing defenses. And it gives Sam Darnold his best weapon. Uh, I'm excited to see what Matt rule does in year two of his defense. Cause they were, they were pretty solid last year. Uh, and his, his personnel just continues to improve under him, but yeah, fl- fl- put the Buccaneers on top, put the saints kind of in no man's land and then put the Panthers as improving and the Falcons kind of just in the dirt for me. Um, I don't know if I want to flip the Saints and Panthers, but all in all, I, I feel like the Buccaneers could be the only team that comes out of that division. Yeah. Um, when I'm looking at the division uh, myself, I mean, again, just kind of like the NFC North, uh, I think there's a clear team for the top and a clear team for the bottom. I think the Buccaneers have a clear team for the top. Um, you know, they just won the Super Bowl. They still have Brady. And as you said, they're just a really – a well-filled veteran team that just gets the job done. Um, And I think that ultimately the Saints got weaker and the Falcons and Panthers aren't like drastically better or anything. So if anything, this will probably be an even better year for the Buccaneers because the Buccaneers started out like about 500 last year and then they finished pretty strong to, I think, like uh, get second in the division. So I think that they're going to win it this year and it's going to be very clear cut. I don't even know if any of these teams are going to give them a run for their money. Um, Whereas Atlanta is at the bottom again. And I think that they have the pieces to have a fun offense this year, but it's still, they don't have a good offensive line. And though Mike Davis was good at times last year, I'm not fully convinced that Mike Davis is going to blow up. I I mean, I'll even say that he's not going to blow up. I don't think he will. Um, Maybe he can have an okay season, but I'm just, I'm not fully in love with their offense. So I think that Brian could probably do something and what could end up being his last year with this team. Uh, and their defense is still just so lackluster. Um, and they they lost some pieces this off season for their defense. And I mean, though, even they lost like uh, Keanu Neal, like they, they really haven't even been with Keanu Neal um, for a while. Cause he keeps getting season ending injuries. It's still just a horrible defense. Uh, not that good of an offensive line and they have pieces to have a good offense, but they just don't have enough to really convince me. So then again, as I said, which is where the NFC North is close. 
I think it's close between the Saints and Panthers, a lot closer than a lot of people are going to think. And the reason being for me is I'm not fully sold on Jameis Winston or Josh Hill. Just because Jameis has been a turnover machine uh, throughout his time in the NFL. Granted, he's been able to get touchdowns, but, you know, he, he would go like 35 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. So this season is for the Saints is really going to be can Winston take over the uh, take over his team, but not only that, can he take it over without being a detriment to it as well, which I'm just not sure if he can do, particularly in his first season. Whereas for the Panthers, yet again, a team with a new quarterback, um, I think the concern for them will be is can Darnold really kind of reached to some of the heights that people thought he would, which is why he was the third pick in the draft. Um, I, again, I don't think that's really going to happen this year. So then I was debating having the Panthers over the Saints, but ultimately I decided to look at the defensive rosters of both these teams. And I honestly think they're actually pretty close now, which feels crazy to say. Um, because I remember the Panthers not having like a great defense before Matt Rule, but Matt Rule, I think, has done a pretty good job, uh, particularly with like the addition of Brian Burns and uh, then this past offseason getting Hassan Reddick in there. I, I think Panthers have pieces to have a solid defense. However, I still like look and I don't know if I'm fully convinced on their defensive tackle or defensive end. Uh, it's just. When it, when it comes down to it, I think it might honestly be a matchup between these two teams, and quite literally, it could come down to one game. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and say that the Panthers are going to top the New Orleans Saints because of the Michael Thomas injury, and then even on top of that, one thing that I did not include with the Saints, which I think is an additional factor, is that when Drew Brees went out last season, Kamara started to struggle. And I'm not saying that Kamara is going to struggle throughout this year. In fact, I think he can thrive. But I think off the start, I, I can see New Orleans having a rocky start. And I don't know necessarily if Caroline will have as rocky of a start. Um, just I, I, that, that, that's kind of that's what I'm looking at it from. I just think that New Orleans is going to start out rocky. And I think that. Carolina, um, with the team that they have and with the depth that they have, I think will be able to pull through. So I'll say that it's Tampa Bay, uh, Carolina, New Orleans, Atlanta. Uh, yeah, I was, honestly, I don't hate that. And you're slightly bolder than I am. And look, I agree. It's going to be very close. Um, it, it's weird to say, because I, I can feel, I, I can see the Saints going 10 and 7, and I can see the Panthers going 7 and 10. And I can say that those two teams are close. But at the end of the day, that's a three-game difference, which doesn't sound like that close in the NFL, but I, honestly, I feel like it will be. Um, it could be closer than that. It, it's just weird now with this whole 17 game schedule I, thing. I, I think it's going to be close between them no matter what, but I mean, if you even look at the start for the Panthers, the New York Jets, I think we can both agree that's a game that we feel pretty comfortable with them in. Then you have New Orleans when they, I think, still have don't have Michael Thomas, so that's a huge matchup already. Then you have the Houston Texans, another horrid team that we're going to have to talk about. Um, and then Dallas and Philly and Minnesota. And really their first challenge doesn't come until either week seven or week nine, I'd say. So I think Carolina has a pretty smooth start and could have a possibility to deceive people that they can make the playoffs. I don't think there's another team that comes out of this division making like into the playoffs. They could pull a Pittsburgh Steelers on them. Um, yeah. No, I, I, you know what? I think I could agree with you there. Um, 
it's going to be tough because the one division that I'm highlighting for multiple teams coming out, uh, it's just hard for me to fit three teams in there. But we'll, we'll see where, we'll see when we get there. They're actually the last division we're going to talk about because now we need to talk about the wasteland, the armpit of the NFL, the NFC East, my favorite division. Um, NFC East, let's go. Boy, okay. Look, I think this is going to be a two-man race the whole way. I think it's going to be between Washington and Dallas. And look, here's my pitch for the Dallas Cowboys, all right? And I'm going to try to take as much fandom out of this as possible. They have Dak Prescott. And that's all I'm going to say. Now, you want to throw the health thing out there? I don't care. That, that's really my only pitch right now. Um, offense should be clicking. Again, it's the should he stay healthy. I mean, oh my God, I'm looking at the standings from last season. I'm looking at how many points they gave up. Oh my God, it was so bad. Um, all right. Look, I'll admit, I'm not a big preseason guy. I haven't watched much. Uh, but the main question this year is going to be the defense. From what I am seeing and what I am reading about practices and whatnot, they are happy with their length cornerback which look uh, I highlighted uh, that in a Sean Wright pick in the third round he has apparently done well enough Kelvin Joseph will need to see him play uh, well this season Trevon Diggs I'm expecting a good season two out of him uh, the defensive line still has some players uh, I'm most notably to Marcus Lawrence defensive tackle is going to be once again their biggest problem area safety with the addition of um, Lee Hooker DeMonte Casey um Hopefully Donovan Wilson has another good year in the box. I'm feeling more optimistic about that. I'm saying that with so much caution on my, in my voice. Um, and then look, I, I can talk about off ball linebackers as much as I want, but I, I might have to just give up here and say that Micah Parsons and Keanu, Micah Parsons might be a good draft pick and Keanu Neal might be a really, really good free agency signing because they both had really good preseasons, uh, even with limited snap counts. Um, Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith, I, I will show them the door as fast as possible if I can. Uh, I'm going to give the edge to Dallas, and the only reason is that offense and the quarterback being the best quarterback in the division. Um, Washington is my number two. And look, honestly, yes, we, we talk about how bad this division is, but Dallas and Washington are two. I'm going to say Washington has a slightly better roster only because I know that their defensive unit is probably the best unit uh in it's, it's definitely the best unit in the division might be the best unit in the nfc and maybe even all of football um they're really good on that side of the ball and when you have defense like that and look does ryan fitzpatrick just crap the bed the whole season i don't know but even if he's serviceable for 17 weeks which like he has to be maybe heineke comes in i don't know if he's a real quarterback but um at least there's something at quarterback this year, which was the reason that they could not get to 500 last year. It's just because their offense was limited by their quarterback play. Um, having something there is better than nothing. And combine that with the defense and just basically ask Ryan Fitzpatrick to not be mistake Fitzpatrick. Uh, I, I think that that can really help them out. So, and, and again, I like their offseason. I like the moves they made on offense. Um so I'm going to give them the number two spot only because I'm giving the edge to Dallas. You can call me a fan if you want. I don't care. I think that those two teams can make the playoffs. I do. I think that those, that both of these teams are playoff teams. I think they're both wildcard teams. I think they can win a playoff game. I'm not sure if I'm ready to say uh, that I, that either of these teams can make a run in the playoffs. Honestly, both of them probably can just because of the dominance on 
either side of the ball. It's just the other side of the ball that they'll need to figure out. Um, as with the rest of the division, Giants and Eagles, I don't like either of their rosters really that much. I don't think that uh, bringing Saquon back, who I think already has some trouble getting back anyways, helps the Giants that much. They still have Daniel Jones. Um, their defense is okay. They played pretty well under uh, Joe Judge, and he seems to have the locker room, I think, but there were some trouble like that practice that happened was crazy. Um, and Philadelphia, I just don't like the roster. Uh, I, I, it's going to be really Jalen Hurts' first full season. He's got the uh, he's got the reins, um, and, I, and I can't say I'm excited to see him play, but I, I don't think he has that high of a ceiling to really carry this roster. Uh, and, and I'll admit, Devontae Smith being the addition in that wide receiver room. It, look, I, I'm a Devontae Smith fan, but just looking at the rest of it, I don't know if he's going to be able to carry it in year one. Um, and yeah, that's, that's really all I have to say about Philadelphia. So my top two teams are Dallas and Washington. I'll give Dallas the edge just because they have the best quarterback in the division. Uh, Washington's right there at number two. I think that they can really, they they can compete with anyone because they can keep the game low scoring. Uh, I'll give the giants number three and then I'll give, uh, Philly number four. Well, um, starting with this division, I feel like one of these teams is definitely not like the others. Um, and that is 100% Philadelphia. I think it's a mess there just completely. Um, and it, it's just, it, it feels bad um, that it's just in such a weird spot right now um, for them. Uh, I feel bad for Jalen Hurts because I feel like that this could be something that defines his NFL career. Um, and then, you know, he might possibly not be able to get another job, which would blow because I really like Jalen Hurts. But no matter um, some of the solid additions that they made during this offseason, including Devonta Smith. It's, it's just too much of a mess of a team. I'm not that big of a fan on their defense now, which was really their, uh, their uh, saving grace for the past few seasons. Um, and I'm still, of course, not really big on their offensive line. Um, they've very much been a team that have been unfortunate with injuries over the past few years. It's just, I don't feel any confidence um, for them at all. Uh, I think they're going to be one of the worst teams in football. Not the worst. Um, I think there's definitely a few teams that are going to be ahead of them, but they'll probably be a top five pick this year rather than uh, being just outside. So I don't think it's going to be a good season for Philly. Um, In third in the division, uh, unlike you, I do have Dallas. Um, Yeah, there's the DAC concerns. Um, That is something I'm putting in here for this. But then on top of that, I'm not sold on your defense period. I'm not sold on the Dallas Cowboys defense at all. Um, we, we've seen over the past, like, you know, a few years that this defense has struggled and, you know, we, we gave Dallas technically last season was meant to be like, you know what, it's like a, you know what, it's fine. We got rid of your defensive coach. This is now your show. And then you guys got rid of your defensive coach during last year. And it's like, all right, fine. It's time for you guys to show yourselves. It's time for you guys to like actually be good. And it didn't change. You guys were still an abhorrent defense, one of the worst in the NFL. And it's not like you guys have had drastic improvements this offseason to that defense. I mean, you got a lot of young guys. Cool. Maybe during the, like going into the future, it'll be good. But we're not looking at the future. We're looking at the now. And the now is that you guys aren't that great of a defense whatsoever. One of the worst in the NFL. And no matter how many points you score, you can't ask Dak Prescott, uh, you know, assuming he stays healthy, to put up like seven touchdowns a night. 
Um, I think the one factor which would kick Dallas up into second for me is if not only their defense shows big improvements, but they would also need to have Ezekiel Elliott um, start to hit a decent form again. Um, he's been not anywhere close to the, like, you know, Zeke that earned that huge contract for a while. He's been kind of like all right at best. Um, I think if Zeke can really get back to that prime Zeke, that there's a possibility this team gets second, maybe first, but I, I just don't see it. And with that in mind, and with Dak's injury being a little bit concerning, and with the defense probably still going to be bad again, I have them in third for those reasons. Otherwise, I would have put them in second ahead of the New York Giants. Um, and the reason I have the Giants in second is because I don't have any confidence in Daniel Jones. I think this is a roster that is built for a good quarterback. But it's not Daniel Jones, because Daniel Jones isn't that good of a quarterback. He's all right. He's serviceable. He's not someone that's going to take you to the playoffs, be good in the playoffs, et cetera. So I'm not sold on this New York team um, with that in mind. I like their coach. I like a lot of their depth. Um, I think the only to a team like Dallas would be if they have some injuries in which, to be fair, um, their, often, their offense as a whole is kind of, a, a medical bill waiting to happen at this point, which feels bad because I love Sterling Shepard, but he's been injured a lot in his career. Um, love Kenny Galladay, but he had a big injury last year. He, I think he may have another I'm forgetting about. And then you have Saquon Barkley. It's like New York Giants fans are like, oh, Saquon Barkley, he's so great and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, we've seen him. He's great, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And that's the concern. Is Saquon going to go down again? So with that in mind, I'm just not sold enough on the team's health or the team as a whole to put them ahead of Washington, who's my number one team, because I think they have one of, if not the best defense in the NFL, and that's coming from a Colts fan who they have one of the best defenses in the NFL. I think they have a great, really good coach in Ron Rivera, and they've made massive improvements this offseason, not only to their defensive side of the ball, but also the offensive side of the ball. They picked up Curtis Samuel, who is going to be a great uh, pairing with Terry McLaurin, I think. Um, they went ahead and picked up Ryan Fitzpatrick as well. And sure, Fitz, Fitzmagic hasn't always been Fitzmagic. However, Fitzmagic has really come about over the past three seasons. And if you look at the past three seasons, he's actually been not too bad. Not, not, not that it's like amazing, but... His quarterback rating's been pretty solid, seeming like, like it's rounding out like about uh, 95 over the past three years. Um, those eight games with Tampa before Jameis Winston took back over, he was really solid with a 66.7% completion percentage um, and 23, a, a little bit over 2350 uh, yards um, in those eight games. That's pretty darn good. 17 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. Um, and then obviously last, uh, not last season, but the year before his, uh, basically full season with Miami, uh, he put up more pretty decent completion percentage, um, with a 20 to 13 touchdown ratio, uh, his touchdown to interception ratio has been positive since 2016 with again, a dreadful jets team. And then, I mean, honestly, even the year before that he did well, 
with a, his best uh, touchdown ratio, it looks like, with a 31 to 15. So Fitzpatrick's kind of aged like fine wine. Um, and he's got a real, he's still got a really good arm. He's got a really good mind. He, he's solid at the position. And I think it's just going to help this team as a whole. Um, he's someone that has shown that he can last throughout a season. It's just teams haven't really given him that opportunity because he's just kind of been the layover guy. Um, or like, you know, if our quarterback is injured, you're coming in. So I think with this season to prove himself um, and just kind of like show that he can be that guy, I think he can do well. Um, and I, I think what Washington's going to be able to provide him is one of the better rosters that he's had in his career. And I think he's going to take that. Not that he's going to be, you know, outstanding and like the best quarterback in the NFL, but he's, he's going to take it and he's going to have a good season. And I, I think we're going to see why we have been able to call him Fitzmagic over the past three years. All right. I'm not going to have too much pushback for this. Um, I, I will say with the Dallas thing, I, this is a contract year for Mike McCarthy for me. Um, like if he, yeah. if he doesn't make the playoffs, I think that this is definitely, um, I think it's definitely fireable. Uh, honestly, yeah. winning the division is still hot seat behavior for me. Um, the thing with Mike Nolan, who was the defensive coordinator last year, he was never a good one. Um, so, so I will give you that, yes, replacing the old regime, uh, bringing in a new guy and being like, okay, the defense might not be terrible, and the defense was terrible, is cause for concern. I'm not going to preach the Legion of Boom because the Cowboys have nowhere near the caliber of players uh, that Seattle had when Dan Quinn was D.C. there, but he's still a better D.C. than Mike Nolan ever was. So that's my sure. only that's my only pushback for your defensive concerns. No, I think I the personnel the personnel concerns are definitely still there because there's a lot of name there. There's a lot of names there that are pretty much just all fluff. They don't really produce. Um, Marcus Lawrence does good with the analytics crowd, but he doesn't bring like the sacks production. Uh, I'm excited to see what Randy Gregory does on the other end, but still, I'm concerned about other edge rushers. I'm very concerned about defensive tackles. Uh, linebackers are looking okay. Uh, but again, linebackers don't really impact games uh, that much. And then the secondary is full of a lot of young guys uh, and some injuries on the back end that could be concerning. So I'm not going to push it back. And I think that that's very clear concerns. Um, I, I think I'll need three games to see where I really am uh, with this team. And because it, it, I think after three games, I'll know okay, this is a team that will get into some shootouts, but they can still come out on top. Uh, or they just tank the bed again, like last season. Um, and I, I think I'm just leaning more on the earlier side of that. I, I think I mean, if they come out with uh, 11 wins, like, like they, they, they scream 10 and 6 to me, but then, you know, just throw another game in there, give, give them an 11th. Um, and Washington is right around there as well. Uh, so... I, I don't know, but that, that, that's really the only pushback I'm going to have. Yeah, no, I, I don't have an issue with your DC at all. My issue is the defensive personnel. They have shown that they don't have that drive that they should, and that's what's concerning. Can they find that drive, or does the personnel just have to get clean slated? You know what? I'm, I'm, I don't think I can be in disagreement with you. I, I think that the, I think the player to watch is going to be Michael Parsons, see how they move him around, because I, I think he's. I think there's some excitement around there, around him there. So um, I'll step back and I'll admit I was wrong if he comes out and just balls out this year. But uh, I'm definitely going to be cautious with this team, but I'm expecting some fireworks from the offense. And hopefully they don't try to just ram Zeke up the middle like they 
just keep trying to do and just does not work. Um, but we'll get to that when we get to that. All right, this is the division that I'm excited about most of in the NFC. Um, now, look, let's start with, okay, so obviously the NFC West. Uh, let's start with the team that I think has the best chance of going worst to first in the entire NFL. There's always that one team that everyone wants to talk about. It's got to be San Francisco. I mean, come on, this is a Super Bowl caliber roster that was decimated by injury more than anyone else in the NFL last year. And you're bringing in, you're, you're bringing in a quarterback that I think is probably better for the modern game. I mean, Trey Lance, you know what? I'm just going to look this up real quick. I don't know if he's starting, but he will be soon because man, he's, uh, yeah, I, I'm really excited about Trey Lance uh, in the he's NFL sick, and with this roster. So uh, I, that's really all I have to say. It's just they're bringing everyone back and they've got the best chance going worst first. Um, another great roster in the NFL is the Rams. Uh, this is, I mean, this is a top defense, not quite uh, on Washington's level, but I mean, you still look at that center. They've got Aaron Donald. I mean, with that, uh, you're going to be good. Um, they were the number one scoring defense last year. I'm not expecting that to change too much at all because they were the only defense to give up less than 300 points uh, over the entire season. Uh, the problem has been their offense. And look, Matt Stafford, I, I watched him a lot in Detroit. Um, I'm not sure if I'm ready to say that he's going to win them a division, but he can certainly get into the playoffs and he can make them better than they were last year. Uh, a combination of a serviceable offense that can score 400 points versus, you know, a really stout defense i mean that's the recipe that got them to the super bowl that one year um am i worried about the injury to cam Akers? maybe uh but they also did just trade uh for sony michelle um so so that brings in another body into that backfield i think daryl henderson still gets the bulk of the carries uh so so i'm i'm interested in the rams i think i'm really i'm really high on the 49ers the seahawks we keep saying that the seahawks are going to have that year where they implode and they just haven't yet uh, I don't know if this is that year, but a third place finish, I don't think is too far out of bounds for them, especially in a division this stacked. I mean, this is one of the toughest divisions in all of the football. Um, but Russell Wilson still balls out, finds a way to win them a lot of games. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll give them the second. I don't know. You know what? I'm going to give them the third place, but I'm still going to give them probably 11 wins on the year um, and, and a solid wild, wild card lock. So I think I have three teams coming out, the 49ers, the Rams, and the Seahawks. And man, let me tell you, the Cardinals, this is a big year for them because, I mean, look at the look at their records uh, over the last few seasons. Uh, you know, Kyler Murray, um, you know, having the helm there. And, uh, it, man, they just can't win after Thanksgiving. They, they start off the season, they start off really strong, um, but they just can't get it going on the latter half of the season. And that's where you win those games. And I think that this could be a hot seat year uh, for Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, if they don't get that together and it's tough because they're in a really hard division, but they got to find a way and they got to scrape out those wins in the latter half of the year. Cause if they don't, they're going to be sitting at the bottom of the division, which I think they will be. And I think they're going to be some changes uh, come the off season. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I really like the an analysis of the like back part of the season and how that's been uh, for the Cardinals. I'll go ahead and touch up, up on them later. Um, but I think you got to start off with the worst and you kind of teed me up for it in a way. I think it's going to be Seattle. And that is because I am not huge on their defense at all. Um, Bobby Wagner is good. Uh, Jamal Adams can have some production, but he's not really great with coverage beyond that. They don't really have a great team. 
Um, they lost, uh, I think, both the Griffin, uh, both the Griffin brothers. Um, and I think Shaquille was their top corner last year, if I remember right. Um, they really weren't able to add much uh, in young quality this past offseason because they trade away those picks to get Jamal Adams. And honestly, this could probably be Pete Carroll's last year in the team. Um, maybe Russ's. But sure, I, I do agree with you that Russ has found a way for them to like fight through games. But when you look at that team, they still don't have a good offensive line. Chris Carson, though, I think he's pretty good. Um, and I've even uh, kind of been pro him comparatively to you, like whenever we've talked about him. Um, he still isn't like – he's probably not a top 10 guy. He's around there, but he's probably not that. Um, they have one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. And no matter how good their one-two punch of Lockett and Metcalf is and how good Wilson is, Wilson, you know, on any other team would be probably considered a top three quarterback in the NFL rather than a top five or lower. Um, I just think that this is the year that Seattle may, maybe implode isn't the proper word, but they're just going to fall way below expectations. Um particularly when the Cardinals were able to find upgrades last off season or this past off season and the 49ers were able to, and the Rams, surprisingly enough, the Rams, again, being able to juggle around their uh, cap, like they're really tight cap to be able to upgrade. So yeah, that's why I have Seattle at the bottom. Um, in third in this division, I have San Francisco and that's mostly because I feel like they're in a Chicago type situation. It sounds like, sounds like Garoppolo is still going to come out as the, the leading man. However, I think it's going to be pretty quickly taken by Trey Lance. Um, and I think Trey Lance will definitely run with it. I like him. I think he has a lot of potential here in the NFL. Um, I, I think it's unfair to say, you know, he, he has, but it just, it just looks like he has that, he has that Pat Mahomes type of excitement for me. He really does. So I'm, I'm excited for him and what he'll bring to this team, but Still, this is a team that just lost their defensive coordinator um, to the Jets. And Salah was uh, or is one of the best defensive minds in the NFL right now. And no matter who, who they replace him with, I think that's going to be a struggle. Sure, they're going to have a lot of players hopefully returning for like the full season this year. Like um, they, they were without Nick Bosa all the last year. Um, I think they were without some of their receivers at the time. They were without Kittle for most of the year. So if they stay healthy, they're going to be competitive, which is why I have them in third. But I think for this team's potential is for as long as they sit Trey Lance. If they sit Trey Lance for like half the season or more, there's a possibility that they could be under the Seahawks. But if this is going to be a team that is going to start Trey Lance after like the first few weeks, it's like, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo has been so mid or so bad. And we're just going to go ahead and try Trey Lance because, you know, we can certainly get better with him. Um, then I think they can get third. I think they have a chance at second, but I think just the turnover of Sala and how good he was for that locker room and uh, losing some of the names that they've lost. Um, I think it's just going to be a little bit too much to push um, into second. But that doesn't mean that they're going to be out of the playoff picture. Um, in second, I have Arizona. Uh, Cliff has uh, had them like better, uh, like progressing record-wise overall. Um, I think you're pointing out like doing better after Thanksgiving is a great thing to point out. Um, but this seems still upgraded. Uh, they have what Rondell Moore and AJ Green, who they got for the receiving roles. 
really good depth at receiver. Um, they still have Hopkins, uh, obviously. Uh, this is, I think, Kyler Murray's year to break out. Chase Edmonds is someone that he, though, sure, they signed James Conner. I don't consider him, like, a huge threat to Edmonds. I think they're going to run with Edmonds as their, uh, as their leading back. And I don't know if he's going to have, like, a breakout year, but I think that Edmonds is just going to show why he should have been used more last year than Kenyon Drake. Um, and then defensively, they had huge additions, um, particularly with the addition of J.J. Watt. Um, and I think that with, with the roster that they have, with the leaders that they have, um, and as, as you kind of said, I do agree, this could be a hot seat year for Cliff Kingsbury, particularly with all the talent that has been put together for his team. I think this is a team where Arizona makes the playoffs. I don't think they're going to win the division, um, and it's because I think the Rams have – a better roster, um, definitely better defense, but it's a year where Arizona is going to finally be able to like break, uh, break into the playoffs. And then we'll, we'll see what they can do from there. But I have the Rams at number one because Stafford is certainly going to be a better leader of that offense than Jared Goff has been. Um, that defense in LA is still top five, top three in the NFL. Um, and even without Cam Akers, um, I don't think Sony Michelle's like a huge addition or anything, but I just don't think it's going to take away from them as much. I think Michelle's going to help. Um, but it's really just, I think going to go more to like a running back by committee type of thing. Um, I guess this is Daryl Henderson's chance to show that he can be like either that guy or the guy right behind Cam Akers, but that's really about it. And plus uh, though, this, this isn't necessarily an optimistic thing. Gerald Everett did go to Seattle this offseason, um, which is now going to give Higby more chances. And I think that Higby could be in line to do really well, though granted uh, Stafford has also struggled with tight ends, I think, throughout his time in the NFL, other than having like one successful season with Hawkinson last year. And then I think one with Ebron. So I don't know. That's, that's always been something that's weird to me. But Rams, Cardinals, 49ers, and the Seahawks, that's my order. Um, and if we having, if we're having teams coming out of the playoffs, that means I'm ending up with the Buccaneers, the Rams, the Washington football team, the Packers, and then I have the Cardinals, the bears and the 49ers. Okay. So I, I guess I'll, uh, just contend that. So you have the 49ers in what place again in the NFC West in third, third. Okay. Well, I, I honestly, I think they turned it around all the way. I think they win the division. Um, so then with that said, I guess I have, uh, I'll, I'll, I think I'll go where I think they end up. Um, I think, uh, I think Tampa Bay pulls out uh, on top. I think that them and Green Bay basically tie with record, but maybe just because of uh, um, a tiebreaker or whatever. So I have Tampa Bay, uh, Green Bay, and then I'll do San Francisco and then Dallas. And then in the back half, I'm going to do the Washington football team and then two NFC West teams with, uh, Los Angeles and Seattle. Um, all right, why don't we move on to the AFC real quick then? All right, now we're on the AFC. Um, all right, let's start with the AFC North. This is kind of an interesting division. Uh, I don't think this is that bold of a take. I don't think this is that hot of a take. I think the Browns, uh, they walk away with this one this year. Uh, just improvements to the roster. You know, Baker Mayfield playing decent enough. Obviously, that running attack is where it all starts, and that offense line. Uh, they were better last year when Ola Beckham Jr. was out of the lineup. And so I hope that they can um, 
not force the ball to him when he's healthy this year and they can integrate him more into that offense. Uh, so I like the roster. I like their coach, obviously. Uh, so I like the Browns to take a big step and finally win the AFC North. I think the Ravens come in second place. Obviously, Lamar Jackson doing his thing. But his limitations throwing the ball are certainly in question. Uh, but I don't think that stops them from making the playoffs. I think that they can contend with Cleveland uh, to win the division. I think the Steelers are ready to fall off a cliff right now. Uh, that, def- that defense, though, is still – their scoring defense is good. It, it just came down to – last year they were very fraudulent uh, – all those weeks of an undefeated season, but then they just get torn apart in the playoffs. Um, yeah, I, I, I expect them to have a bit of a dip, uh, clearly, and they could they could miss out on the playoffs here uh, in in Ben Roethlisberger's last. I, I would I, it's got to be his last year playing football. I mean, come on, man. Um, and Cincinnati, I think Cincinnati ends up in last place again, only because that offensive line still doesn't feel good to me, uh, and even still. I don't know how Joe Burrow is going to do because again, I'm not a big preseason guy. Hopefully he's doing better in practice, but he, he didn't impress people in the preseason. Uh, so hopefully that injury just does not derail his career. Uh, and then outside of that roster is not that great. So that's basically where I have things lining up. I've got Cleveland and Baltimore pretty much as playoff locks. The Steelers are going to be on the outside looking in, I think. And then Cincinnati is destined for another uh, top seven pick in the draft. Um, I certainly agree at the top. Um, I mean, I'll start there because I think that it's kind of there's a clear division, I think, between um, the top and bottom of the AFC North. Um, the Browns and Ravens are who I'm going to go as is my uh, one, two, uh, just because maybe not even like, you know, the offseason for the Browns. It's just I feel like Baker Mayfield has clicked in this new offense. And I think that he gets his role and I think he's able to play it really well. And that happened kind of like during the season last year so now that we have like a full season of a locked in baker mayfield um with what's still a pretty strong solid defense i think that that's going to push them to the top of this division um the ravens obviously lost some stuff this offseason though they were able to gain someone that we both really like in rashad bateman i think it's just a thing of i'm still not fully sold i mean i mean now i'm not fully sold on their offense just because i feel like we, we need more Lamar um, of that, like of that passing action. Um, but then it's just kind of the, even defensively as well, not saying that their defense is bad. I think it's still like top 10, maybe even top five defense. It's just, I, I don't think the Ravens are really like the team there, which is why I have the Browns ahead of them. It's close. It's close, but they aren't really like neither of those teams like they're, but they're both close to each other. I think. Um then in third, I have Pittsburgh, and the only reason I have Pittsburgh third is because I'm concerned about Burrow. So, I mean, actually, rather than the Steelers, I'm going to lead off with the Bengals. I'm concerned for Burrow. He does not seem like himself whatsoever, and the defense is still atrocious. Their offensive line is still has me nervous. So, with that in mind, I just don't think that since he's going to be a good team this year, um, I think Burrow just needs to get out of his funk. And then they need to get him an offensive line and defense finally, but that's going to take a while. So let's, let's just start with the offensive line. Um, But for Pittsburgh, I don't know. I'm not big on big Ben whatsoever. Um, Like just due to his age and the regression. Um, I like Najee Harris, but I'm not a big fan of their offensive line. Um, their offensive line, I think, losing a couple pieces this offseason. Yeah, they lost to Castro and Villanueva. They maybe even lost someone else. 
So I think their offensive line isn't that good now. Um, I'm not a big on Ben Roethlisberger, and I don't think that Najee Harris is going to shine this season like fantasy and uh, like like other reporters and whatnot think that they that he will. And then their defense, I'm not huge on either. I mean, I like TJ Watt, um, and I like some other pieces like on it like Joe Hayden and Minky Fitzpatrick and Cam Hayward and et cetera. Like they, they have some decent pieces, but it's an, it's an aging team that hasn't really been able to see a huge upgrade since Minky Fitzpatrick. And with that in mind, I just think that it's a show for regression. As you said, like they, they were kind of like a faux undefeated team. Um, what going 12 and 0 before then losing the last five games of their season. So I think that's just really going to show this year. They aren't going to go back to their winning ways. If anything, they're just going to continue that negative trend. And as I said, the only reason I have them ahead of the Bengals is because of Burrow um, not looking confident at all and their defense, um, since he's defense not being that good. So, yeah, this is really a Browns-Ravens division and both make playoffs. All right, so we can move on now to the AFC South, your division. Um, I think that if there's any division uh, in the NFL that has a clear divide between two teams and the other two teams, it's this one. Uh, last year, now the NFC South was kind of there, but I mean, just looking at the AFC South, I mean, two playoff teams, two very good rosters versus garbage. <laughs> and I think it's going to be the same as this year. I mean, uh, your Colts and the Titans are both still very good um, roster-wise. I know that Carson Wentz is taking snaps again. Uh, so definitely an improvement under center from Philip Rivers a year ago. Just, just still worried about Wentz's limitations, um, which is why I think I'm going to have Tennessee just slightly above, even if Tennessee hasn't made the defensive adjustments I think are necessary. I think the addition of Julio Jones elevates the offense enough to carry them just enough. Uh, but you're right, but they're behind them. Obviously a wild card team. Um, Jaguars, even with Trevor Lawrence, aren't going to be anything special, so they're going to be last. And the Texans just get shoehorned in there at third. Um, not a good roster, and we don't know what's happening with Deshaun Watson. So, I think this is an easy division just to say that two playoff team that there are two playoff teams in there, uh, and two teams that are going to be at the bottom of the barrel. Uh, no, I, I agree with that as well. I think uh, this is definitely the one I think with the most division between the top two and bottom two. Um, I think Houston is probably the worst team in the NFL. Um, now, I think if Deshaun Watson comes in, there is a possibility that they could win a game. Without Deshaun Watson, I think this team is going to be dreadful. Um, each, like, I think they have a legitimate chance of going 0-17 without Deshaun Watson. They're just bad, plain and simple. Um, there, there's really nothing to like about their team. Sure, Brandon Cooks is there. And sure, we have Tyrod as, you know, BT people. Woo! Tyrod, but uh, there, there's nothing exciting about that team whatsoever. I just feel bad for like the team and the fan base, etc. So this is going to be a horrible year for them. They lost. They they lost a lot last off season, and they still were a bad team like that prior year. So going to get worse. Um, and right above them, I have Jacksonville. Now I have them. I, I think that they're a little bit better than some may expect, just because I like the depth of their receiving core. Um, they have some, uh, like a, still a fairly decent defense, um, secondary and front seven, not great, but it's like, it, it's getting back up there. 
Um, my concern though, is it seems like that Lawrence isn't quite clicking with the coaching, um, like, like the, the coaches on offense from what I've heard, which is not a good sign. Um, but then the fact is, is they also could have had another place to upgrade last off season and they didn't, they got Travis Etienne. And not only was that not a smart decision since they had James Robinson, but now he's out for the season, most likely with having to get surgery on his foot. So they they had some upgrades this past offseason, but not enough for them to really be considered around the Colts or Titans level. Maybe they can take a game off of one of them. Um, they should be sweeping Houston. But beyond that, when they're coming out, uh, coming against um, competition outside the division, they're just not going to be able to compare as well as the, the, like the fans there would hope that they would. And for second and first, I, I think second this year is going to be Indianapolis. Um, I don't think our receiving core is explosive, explosive. I think we have a lot of potential there. We don't really have a superstar, um, which does make me a little bit nervous. Um, Wentz is going to have to come back and really show that he can do things again, and he's not going to be able to do that. And I, I don't think anyone expects him to be able to do that to uh, kind of become that guy in this first season. And Jonathan Taylor, I love him, and I love our offensive line, but just the fact our passing game is probably going to be like mid this year, if not maybe even below the top 20 statistically. I just don't think our offense is going to have enough to be able to compete with other teams and particularly to compete in the division against the Titans, though our defense might be one of, if not the best in the NFL. Now, the only way I would even have considered my Colts being uh, topping the division is because for Tennessee, I'm concerned with a little bit of their depth and some of their injury uh, history for some of those players. So um, I, I talked about it after the draft. I'm not confident with Caleb Farley as the number one corner this year. And that's just because of some, like, you know, not being able to play for a year and some of the health stuff that was starting to come out. I'm a bit nervous of that. And then particularly with having a rookie corner starting, um, you know, in the NFL whatsoever, like as the number one guy, it's not great. And though I like a lot of the receivers in Indianapolis, though we don't have a superstar out of them yet, I still feel like Michael Pittman could do a good job against him. Uh, if Campbell becomes the leading guy, he could. T.Y. Hilton, if he's, uh, if he's uh, the leading guy again, etc. So their secondary had a complete wipe, though they had a pretty decent secondary. So I'm a bit nervous about that for their team. Um, and then on the offensive side, which is the injury stuff, was where I'm concerned is with their two receivers, A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. Julio Jones, is he's getting a little bit older. He's had some injuries throughout his career. I think that's concerning part. But the more concerning part to me is actually A.J. Brown. Because we learned during the offseason that he played on two really bad knees and he had to get like a double knee surgery. So it's impressive that he was able to play through that. But now there's things coming out with training camp saying that, oh, his knee seems like it's starting to bother him again or like one of his knees. And that's not good. Um, obviously you kind of need your knees to be able to walk. Um, and you kind of need to be able to walk to be able to run and be a, a pro athlete. So I'm concerned that AJ Brown could possibly, that either of those guys could get injured because like that, that type of knee stuff, is just a very concerning thing. Now that's why I have, I have Tennessee at the top because they have one of the best offenses in the NFL. And I think a decent enough defense to push them through. 
Um, and when you're in the regular season, offense tends to matter a lot more than defense, being able to get those points up there. So that's why I have Tennessee at one, but I feel like that they are one injury or maybe even two away from the Colts taking the division. But both are playoff teams. Yeah, and you know what? I am going to amend. I'll put the Jaguars just slightly above the Texans then. Um, I'll, I'll go along with you on that one because, yeah, the Texans roster is just terrible. Uh, bad I don't think either team wins more than four games. Um, I, I think the Jags could. It's, 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 it's all a function of if Trevor Lawrence and the coaching staff can tick. If they can tick, I think Trevor Lawrence could take them to like a five or six win season. It does. It does already seem though like Urban Meyer is kind of getting a little annoyed though, even yep. with just like preseason stuff, which isn't good. Yeah, so. no. Um, all right, AFC East, another interesting division. Uh, okay, so last year we had uh, three teams. Three wildcard teams coming out of two divisions, and it really screwed the Dolphins over. Let's start here. Uh, the Bills are going to win this, and they're going to win it, I think, pretty handily. Um, I think the Dolphins are going to take a step, and I think that they're going to eclipse the Steelers, uh, who were um, the wild card, uh, not the wild card team, the division winner in the AFC North, and I think are going to look be on the outside looking in this year. So I think the Dolphins and Steelers switch places. The rest of the playoff teams look about the same to me. Um, it's all going to be about two of you know, I think a lot of people are down on Tua after a bad rookie year. Uh, I think he just needs to be serviceable at this point. Um, but if he takes that step, I think that he can uh, really elevate this team a little bit more. And, you know, the addition of Jalen Waddle give them a more dynamic wide receiver threat. Uh, and then just throw that in there with that defense that is well coached by Brian Flores. And I think that they're in a good spot. The Jets roster is not good enough to compete for the Patriots uh, third spot in this division. So, uh, I'm just going to put them in at fourth, even though they win a couple more games this year. I think they are a five-win team. And then you look at the Patriots, who are going to be hovering around 500 pretty much all year. Um, whether it's Cam Newton, whether it's Mac Jones, uh, I like some of their signings. I think that they were definitely aggressive in the offseason. They did what they needed to do. I just don't know if it's enough. I think that they can compete with the Steelers and Dolphins for that last wildcard spot. But overall, I think the Dolphins are the one that, ones that get in and the Patriots fall flat and are third in the FC East. Um, going on top, I mean, the Jets are the bottom team, and I, I think there's a lot to look forward to for the Jets. I think they have a sneakily uh, solid receiving core, though they might get rid of Jameson Crowder. Um, I really like Michael Carter, and obviously with Salah um, and some already good defensive pieces in place, their defense could shock people, though it's certainly not going to be top 10 yet. With all that being said, though there are positives for this team, there's a lot more negatives to outweigh that. And this is all his first year. This is, a, you know, a rebuild. You guys have needed a rebuild for a while. And all this is, is I think it's going to be positive signs. Really all the Jets fans should be hoping for this year is that Zach Wilson can produce decent numbers. It doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to be top 10. It doesn't even honestly have to be top 15 QB numbers. It just has to be good. He, he shouldn't be a turnover machine. Um, he shouldn't have like a very low completion percentage. If he can keep those about league average with a not league average team, that's solid. So that's, that's what I would say there. For the Patriots, yeah, they had a wild offseason. Um, but the reason why I kind of have them in third is just because I don't feel confident like in the team as a whole. Um, their quarterback situation seems to be a little bit weird. I'm 
not fully sold on their offensive line. Not saying it's bad. I think it's probably even like still like around top 10, but it's not great. They're running back. Um, their running back depth is not good. Um, I do like James White. I think Ramondre Stevenson could be interesting, but beyond that, they just don't have like a really good running game right now. Um, I don't think they really have an explosive receiver. And if anything, that means that they'd have to rely upon Nelson Aguilar. And I'm not really excited about that. And if I remember right, I think what Hunter Henry got banged up during the preseason and both Henry and Johnny Smith suffered big injuries last year. So that's already starting to be a little bit concerning. Um, plus I still don't think their defense is like outstanding. It's a decent defense, but there's a possibility of Gilmore being moved or JC Jackson being moved, particularly with the addition of Sean Wade, um, which happened yesterday, a pretty decent corner coming out of Ohio state, I think in this past draft, I think. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's really much to really be confident about for the Patriots. Maybe, maybe the Dolphins could get ahead of them, but or I mean, could drop behind them. Sorry, but I, I I'm a little bit unsure. Um, but in second, I do have the Dolphins. I think they have a really solid receiving core with Kisiki and Waddle and Parker and etc. I think I think they have very decent receivers. I'm a little bit more nervous about their running game and if Tua can just like become consistent. If if either of those can really turn around, I think that this team is bound for second in the division and could probably even be bound for the playoffs. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll see how I have them fully finishing um, at the end, just kind of in my, in my head here. But um, yeah, I think they're second. I think Bills are still kind of the clear favorites. They've made some positive additions this offseason which was surprising because I think that they're like a little bit tied up with some things. So I wasn't looking for them to make huge additions. Um, it's not that they did, but they made decent ones, which is good. Um, but then just overall, I think they have one of the better, I think they have the clear, better roster in their division. Um, Josh Allen just blew up last year. So we're going to see if he can blow up even more um, again, though, like it, it's, it's like a theme across this division. I'm not confident in the running game. I mean, ironically, I feel the most confident about Michael Carter, than all of them, which feels very weird to say. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just, I, I think if their running game can improve, I think that Buffalo could be a very surprising team and, and could compete to get to the Super Bowl and, and, and be a lot more convincing of a competitor than I thought that they were last year. All right, so we have another division where we're saying that it basically turns out the same. Um, let me see here. I'm just going through last year's standings, seeing if there's any teams or any other divisions that we're saying the same thing about. Uh, the NFC North was another one that we were talking about finishing in the same order, even though we can talk about that middle being flipped a little bit between mm -hmm. the, pack, uh, the Bears and the Vikings. But yeah, AFC East seems almost a little set in stone. The AFC West is another team, is another um, division here where it can be a little chaotic outside of number one, obviously I think the chiefs, we don't need to go into it. I mean, it's Patrick Mahomes. It's that roster. It's Andy Reid. Uh, it's a better offensive line too. So they don't have to worry about the Super Bowl happening again. Um, yeah. I don't think either of us need to go too in depth on there. The bottom three are just going to be a mad scramble. I think the one that comes out on top of those three for second place is the chargers. I think second year, Justin Herbert, uh, just makes another makes a big jump, and I think it helps propel them to double to double digit wins. Um, 
And outside of that, then I think it's pretty cut and dry that the Raiders are slightly better than the Broncos only because the Broncos are terrible. Um, and look, the Raiders, I think this is a, this is going to be a bad year for Gruden and Derek Carr. And I think a regime change is coming there soon. So I think that's a, it's a division where the bottom of it is going to, you know, unfold late in the season. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to matter because I think the only team coming out of this division is Kansas City. I think the Kansas City Chiefs are kind of clear to be number one, which the, the crazy thing about this offseason is they're able to find improvements, which I think what their cap was a little crazy, but they were able to do really good things this offseason. Um, their offensive line looks really good now, one that I've probably argued is the top 10 offensive line in the NFL. Um, their defense, uh, I think, was able to see some improvements. Um, yeah, like particularly a linebacker. Um, and I think that their defense is still like kind of mid. Um, uh, but it's one that I'm a little bit higher on than I expect it to be. But their offensive line, I'm very high on. Clyde Edwards-Lair is going to be his second year in the NFL. Hopefully he can be able to produce better than he did last year. And they still have, you know, solid receiving core. Probably the best quarterback in the uh, – not probably. He is the best quarterback in the NFL in Patrick Mahomes. Best tight end in the NFL in Travis Kelsey. I, I think it's clear cut that they're going to win it. Um and I think with some regression on some of those uh, teams in the division, I, I think 6-0 and in the division is pretty reasonable. And I think getting first again would be very reasonable for these Chiefs, particularly with their getting upgrades around the team as a whole. And as you said, it was really what's below the Chiefs that's exciting. Um, I agree with you with the Chargers in second place. Um, sometimes uh, quarterbacks have a little bit of a – down year for a second year um I don't I don't know if Herbert's gonna have like a fully down year um it's just a little bit nervous about their offensive line if anything but otherwise they were a team that was struck the worst last year with the injury bug with Derwin James getting injured Chris Harris getting injured um I think members of their offensive line getting injured Austin Eckler getting injured um I think Mike Williams may have been injured for a time Hunter Henry was out for most of the year they're basically their whole like starting offense and defense were decimated with injuries. So I think with this team coming back, though there are obviously still those concerns, I think that if they're able to retain, you know, a few more players than they were able to last year, I think they are clearly a better team than the Raiders and the Broncos, um, which will push them in a second in the division. And then in third, I have the Denver Broncos. I have the Denver Broncos in third because I think they have a solid defense particularly if they're able to stay healthy. But even if one, one or both of the edge rushers go down again, I really like their secondary. Um, and I think that they have some pieces overall on that defense to have a productive defense and have one kind of like Kansas City that they're still mid, but they could push top 10. They could, just like Kansas I think both of those defenses could push into that top 10. Um, it's really just a concern of their offense. And I like the pieces on their offense, um, but Javante Williams, I don't think he's really going to be handed the, the rock like on a consistent basis until um, like that midseason mark in which then for fantasy owners, of course, you should have him or trade for him by then. Um, but then even beyond that, um, I like their receivers. It's just a concern at the quarterback now. Um, Teddy Bridgewater was announced to be, was announced to be like their guy. And I like Teddy a lot. Um, I don't know. I'm just not really, I don't think this team's great. I don't think they're bad. Um, I just don't think that they're a great team. I feel like they're a few pieces away from being a team that could push for the playoffs again. 
and the worst team in the division maybe costing Gruden his job, but maybe just putting him completely onto the hot seat for next season is, well, the Raiders. Um, I made a big deal of this when it happened during the offseason. They lost virtually their whole offensive line. Other than like Colton Miller, who is arguably was like the worst member of their offensive line. Not saying he's horrible, but of the other guys. Um, they lost like everyone else with Trent Brown going to, you know, the Patriots and Gabe Jackson getting traded and uh, Whitney Houston, I think, getting cut and then ending up in Arizona. Um, and then I don't remember on their other guard. So they're, they have virtually a new offensive line, which is not good. Um, they lost Nelson Aguilar, who was their top receiver last year. And I'm really not sold on any of their other receivers. Um, Henry Ruggs is just, it feels like an Amari Cooper 2.0 situation with Derek Carr, that Ruggs is someone that should be getting more targets and more yards, but he's just not going to be able to. Um, and then obviously they have Waller, but Waller can't do everything. And then Josh Jacobs is someone who was kind of taken down to earth last year um, after having a really good rookie season. And I feel like it's going to get even worse for him. Now the fact that Kenyon Drake is there and he's going to cut into his rushes. But then on top of that, with the bad offensive line, it's just going to make things a lot harder, particularly for more like power backs. And then I'm still don't think that the Raiders have a good defense. They, they just don't, even with the additions of like Yannick and Gakwe this off season, it, it's not a really good defense whatsoever. And I think that they're in position to just become a bad team again. They just don't look appealing whatsoever. Um, and I'll also kind of feel bad for that Vegas fan base. This is going to be their first year in the stadium and the team's going to kind of stink. Um, so yeah, I'm not sold at all. As you kind of said, maybe this could cost Gruden his job. I don't know. I don't fully want to speculate on that, but it's just, it's not a good team to me, which is why I put them at the bottom. I see more optimism with a team like Denver than I do with Las Vegas. Though neither team really makes the playoffs. I think you have your playoffs slated, um, but if not, I'll definitely make sure I say mine. So I had topping their divisions, the Chiefs, the Browns, the Bills, and the Titans, and then making the wild cards spots are the Ravens, the Colts, and the Chargers. And the Chargers I have in there just because they have a pretty good defensive coach. And I think that even if their defense gets banged up again, I think they still have some other pieces for that coach to be able to use. And I think they'll just see a little bit of an upgrade for that defense just enough to where they'll be able to edge out the Dolphins for the playoffs. All right. Yeah. So same for me, but obviously uh, Chargers for you, Dolphins for me. Um, mm -hmm. Look, if the Chargers make it, I think that that puts a lot of pressure on Tua going into year three. Because, uh, I mean, yeah. it's the guy you took right before the guy that just made the playoffs uh, in his second year with, I would say, a worse roster uh, than the Dolphins yeah, that the Chargers have. Um, so I guess there you have it. There's our big NFL preview episode. Um, man, let me tell you, it's great to be back on campus. Great to be doing these again. Obviously took that one week break uh, and looking forward to just pumping out more content for uh, you guys this semester and just moving forward. Uh, Colby, is there anything else you want to add? Uh, not much. I'm, I'm excited for um, what we're going to have in plan for y'all uh, going throughout this semester. I'm excited to be able to bring on uh new guests uh obviously i'm very excited to be able to have people from different schools and yeah it's it's gonna be a lot of fun and i cannot wait for college football to start back up next week 
That's a great thing that you said, because just now I just remembered uh, something that we were talking about before the show. So this week is week zero in college football, and we will do this right before we wrap up. Um, yep. Not much in terms of, you know, brand name games going into uh, tomorrow afternoon. But there is one game between two Power 5 teams that I think I should highlight, and I think I want to get this started because, look, man, it's college football, and I want to have some fun. If we're going to do a Friday show every week where we're talking college football, we're talking NFL, I want to have us make a tally and start making some predictions up. Now, you do not know the Big Ten at all, but you may know this team. So Nebraska is playing Illinois. They're playing in Champaign, uh, fighting Illini, Brett Bielema, his first game as the Illinois head coach. This is honestly a big make or break game for Scott Frost and Nebraska, in my opinion, because this is, I think, year uh, four. It's either year three or year four. Um, no, it's year three. And he hasn't won anything yet. And they were expecting a lot when he came over from UCF. He was going to be the savior. He's going to be the Messiah. But that hasn't happened yet. So a Nebraska loss could be detrimental to Scott Frost and this Nebraska campaign. And then you've got Illinois on the other side breaking in a new head coach, excitement at their stadium. The the Cornhuskers are favored by a touchdown on the road. What is your prediction, Mr. Bergstrom? Um, well, as you said, I am not quote unquote hip with Big Ten football that much. I'm I'm, I'm really not, but I'm gonna be basing this prediction off something that I probably shouldn't be basing it off of. Um, and mostly because I don't know much about these football teams. Um, there is a post recently that I saw that uh, I'm going to give the nod to Illinois to um, because they had, you know, some something from uh, Sean Evans uh, get debuted, uh, like Hot Ones type stuff. So th- literally it's just because I'm not big on Nebraska's football team. I'm not big on Illinois' football team. I don't think both of them are really that great. Uh, in the Big Ten, I think I at least know that. Neither of them are. I'm just going to be watching this game because I'm a sick person. <laughs> so i mean with that in mind i'm going with illinois just because they dropped something big it's a new season and i'm also not big with nebraska because they left the big 12 so they deserve they deserve to lose all right then you know what just to be different and just to try to get some drama in the first uh weekend matchup that we have i'm gonna go with the Cornhuskers. this is a big make or break game for scott frost basically needs this win. If he loses this game, the hot, the, the, the heat is on, on his, on his seat. Um, and look, I've never bought into the Adrian Martinez hype. He's their quarterback. He's been there for the first two years and he's been very blip. Um, actually, no, this is the year four Scott Frost. Cause he's going to be a COVID junior. So, all right. He holds a bunch of meaningless records for Nebraska, a bunch of like freshman stuff. Cause he played every snap as a true freshman. But I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say this is his year, and I'm going to say Nebraska wins big on the road and ruins Brett Bielema's first day. Also, I'm just looking at ESPN right now. Oh, my God. All of these games that are being played tomorrow are going to be played in basically the desert. We've got a 90-degree game with very light clouds in Illinois. UConn is playing Fresno State. You want well, Guess what the weather is in Fresno tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern time. 85 degrees. 102. Well, I tried. (laughs) Yeah, you tried. And then Hawaii is going to Los Angeles to play the Bruins, and it's going to be 96. Like, this should not be college football weather, but it's good. So it's going to be a hot one. And if we have listeners uh, in Champaign, Illinois, 
please don't die of dehydration. Just, you know, drink lots of water, please. Um, as you watch your team lose to Scott Frost. Anyways, so I think that's going to just about do it. Uh, can't wait to see you guys next week. Uh, you know what? We'll start Monday off with that uh, college football episode where we just kind of break down the alliance and everything like that. And then we'll get in as we move into the week, we'll have an episode uh, previewing the UNC VT game. And then we will go into the weekend ahead with college football madness on Friday. So for Colby and Bergstrom, I am Dan Steinbach. I want to thank you so much for listening to the third or three or four spot sports podcast. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great day and take care.